This is episode 14 of Fam Life with Phil Gomez on the Rising Man podcast. Our guest for today is Emiliano Acevedo. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to Fam Life. I am your host, Phil Gomez, and this is the space where we talk all things lifestyle, relationship, and focus on amplifying the voices of people of color. Got a real special guest for today, Mr. Emiliano Acevedo. has been a lifelong friend of mine and had the luxury of being able to shoot this one in person. Uh, in my opinion, it's a much more intimate and dynamic conversation, and I hope you get that feeling too. Before we get into our interview for today, I want to remind you guys to go to risingman.org and check out the plethora of offerings that we have, things as simple as the Brotherhood, which is free, where you can be in contact with a community of other men who are really up to being the best men that they can be in this life. Or if you're looking for something a little bit more edgy, check out Compass, which is our four-day wilderness fast, men's initiation. We got a couple coming up this year. So go on to risingman.org, check out what we got, and I'm guaranteeing that there's something there for you. All right, without further ado, here's Emiliano Acevedo. All right, so Rising Man family got a dear friend here with me today, Mr. Emiliano Acevedo. Thanks for being here, bro. My pleasure. I think it's my first time that I actually got to do something like this in person with someone. Usually we're, you know, on the interweb and talking to someone halfway across the country or in hawaii or somewhere else so it's nice to have like an intimate setting here if it wasn't so late at night we'd probably be having a cup of coffee together (laughs) that's the truth that's it man well again thank you for saying yes to uh having a conversation with me and i'm looking forward to seeing seeing where it goes how are you feeling i'm feeling good man i'm i'm excited to be out here uh in the winter wonderland that is uh lake tahoe been a long time since I felt that real kind of snowy, wintry feeling. So, you know, grateful for all the extremes of experience. It's definitely been a wild January in California, huh? Bunch of snow up here. You're based in Santa Cruz, so you're getting a ton of rain down there. Guys are getting flooded and hammered with waves and all that. So yeah. it's definitely, uh, we're getting plenty of water right now, Yeah, which we need it. So yeah, take what we can get, you know. Awesome, man. Well, we've known each other for many, many years and, you know, we have about a million things that we can talk about. So we'll see what things kind of come up naturally here. But before we hit record, we're talking a little bit of just you going through a big transition phase in your life. Um, So, yeah, Yeah. just curious if you want to share a little background about what's going on. And uh, yeah, we can dive into that a little bit. Gladly. So in uh you know to summarize I think the the events um started a cannabis company about 5 years ago or I guess 6 years ago really uh 2016 with some friends um I was less involved in the day to day until 2017 when I moved out to California um and yeah built this business you know we're had been in the cannabis industry for many years and was very much considered myself and we considered ourselves uh pioneers um especially in the legalization uh, we had a commercial scale cannabis farm in salinas and uh, salinas valley um and we were really in this process of figuring out this new thing which was again commercial scale cannabis cultivation um there, there's plenty of people that know cannabis, but 
including the commercial ag component was something that you couldn't really find many people to do. So we were very much inventing the field in a way. And and it really uh, was very rewarding in that sense where, you know, it was just us and the plants and the situation and the problems as they were. And there was no, you know, textbook to refer to, uh, no really experts that could guide us. There was plenty of resources, um, but we were the ones that had to stitch it all together. Um, And, you know, we were doing, uh, we did it well. Like we actually saw a tremendous amount of improvement on the material operational level in terms of the efficiency of our you know, operation, the quality of the product, the consistency. So, you know, we were hitting our goals from a objective perspective. Um, yet in the larger context, the cannabis market as a whole collapsed mm-hmm. um, over the last two years. Um, you know, in a nutshell, a question of oversupply, Um you know, supply and demand being out of whack. And so, you know, overproduction in California, all throughout the country, in the legal market, in the black market, all of it combining to ultimately, you know, tank the price um, to the point where it just went below the cost to produce. And so we got kind of caught in a this spiral of trying to find solutions as the wholesale price of, of cannabis was dropping. Um, you know, very rapidly over, you know, we, we lost probably 80% of our, of the value over, you know, an 18 month period, which, you know, if you think for every $5 that we were collecting, we were, you know, in 2020, in 2022, we were collecting one, you know, and the, there just wasn't enough margins in it to begin with where we could weather that type of, you know, uh, compression, um, there was also an element of, you know, kind of killing the golden goose. Um, very much everyone wanted a piece of the money, whether it was property owners charging, you know, rent that was 10 times higher mm-hmm. than comparable land for other agricultural uses, counties, like state licensing fees, state taxes, county, you know, cultivation and canopy taxes and fees. And, you know, it all just added up where there was no way that we could compete uh, on a you know cost basis with someone who's in the black market and not paying some of those costs or uh and we didn't have the capital to kind of continue to bleed um as the you know basically prices fell below what it, you know the cost to produce so um yeah it was a big moment of accepting defeat you know and 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 you know yeah. really f- accepting that we failed at the 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 overall vision which was to create a successful cannabis company mm-hmm. you know um th- again plenty of reasons and whatever but the experience is one of like actually having to accept failure and say you know what like we did our best we really mm-hmm. did our best and that you know that is why i'm able to really take it in stride and and feel like it's you know, one of those scars and notches on the belt, but, you know, I don't feel morally, spiritually, I know that we did absolutely everything we possibly could um, to make it happen for ourselves, for everyone who believed in us, who invested in the business and, you know, um, whose money ultimately was lost, you know, and so accepting that reality that despite our best efforts and despite actually doing a great job, like it, it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. And it, it wasn't actually what mattered on some level. What mattered was 
having more money and being kind of playing in this larger game of getting money from larger sources uh you know basically we needed to add a few zeros to like the game we were playing and so that's who's left now um in the cannabis industry is a lot of you know people with deep pockets who are in a position to weather the storm and um continue to lose money i guess i don't know what the, what the long-term vision is happy that it's not my problem anymore because totally. uh you know that's just a huge um weight to be worried about you know my livelihood everyone who worked for us livelihood you know we had over 100 employees at the peak so we really were a big uh it's a big operation and it was uh it was you know for me the things that i'm really left with are the team we built and the experience i think that everybody had working there i think we really wanted people to feel at ease and to mm -hmm. feel relaxed so that they could do their best and feel that they were recognized for the contribution that they were making to the overall operation that was it's a really beautiful thing because our this process of inventing commercial scale cannabis cultivation and troubleshooting we were always doing it under you know with zero dollars and under duress and so we were really forced to be resourceful and to find pragmatic solutions and you know a lot of those solutions came from the people doing the jobs and the people who were in the field in every day and so we really you know it wasn't a very top-down kind of like this is how we're going to do it it was more of a collective problem solving and exploration um and if anything i feel that what we did you know the leadership we tried to provide was following a process a, a problem solving process of methodically thinking thing thinking the problems through and you know proposing solutions based on an idea right mm -hmm. and and explaining that idea to others and in that process the idea becomes refined because it's put under scrutiny and then you know trying it and seeing if it worked and if it didn't work and if there was more knowledge that we could gain and apply to that same problem or other problems and so you know this very dynamic process of getting better of evolution on a collective you know scale was was really um it was cool to be a part of it um yeah and so again you know that's i guess that's a little bit the the context of like what was happening in my life and so you know the big change for me is is just coming out of that Right. moment of okay where i was just so committed completely all in financially personally like you know it was like i had no other eggs in any other baskets it was like everything was in there um you know one lesson is definitely was like over committed and over like you know it, it shouldn't be so extreme you know but yeah that's that's a tangent um yeah so so it was just a very all-consuming state i mean you know again just I really just boiled down to having to find like large sums of money, six figure sums of money on a continuous basis to cover shortfalls in operating capital, you know, and cash flow. And so um that's one of those problems that's just like all the time that's just gnawing on the back of the mind. You know? Constantly trying to figure it out. Yeah, constantly trying to find uh and again, I, I didn't even have I, you know, I provided some solutions, but you know, some of my partners and friends found other solutions. So it wasn't always necessarily something that I was doing. It was more of just like the background reality. Mm -hmm. Um and it was, you know, so it also on some level I felt that we we slowly got pulled away from actually doing the thing we had to do, doing it well. And we were just more concerned with finding money and finding, you know, how to keep things turning over and trying to you know get to the next 
hopefully, you know, part where things got better and, you know, ultimately they didn't. Um, but yeah, so for me, it's a, it's kind of this, you know, all of the things falling apart and that process is kind of taking time. And I'm sure there's a lot more layers to kind of just go through a really relaxing and releasing the tension that built up from that. Um, and then on the other hand, just an exciting uh, new beginning. Yeah. Um, and the opportunity to try something else, maybe, you know, do gain, build on the knowledge and experience I gained there and do something with a different context where there's not this sense of like pressure all the time, you know, and, and get back to the part that we, I think I did very well. And which was the actual making the plants grow better, making things mm -hmm. be better, you know, actually materially improving the situation. Um, so I'm going to stop you there for a sec, yeah. you know, cause there's definitely, there's a lot in there and, you know, I definitely want to dive into kind of what's next, but I think one of the, there's a few things in there that stood out for me. The The first one I want to go back to is just the sense of like, how do you make meaning of this, uh, you know, it's, it's this entity, the business is like, it's like a baby, right? It's, you know, the last six years you've dedicated everything into it. You know, like you said, putting all your eggs in one basket, but um, not just in, in the, the risk or the gamble of it, but just really in the, the care and attention that you've put into it. And then ultimately, ultimately it comes to this point where it, it's not working anymore, right? You got to pull the plug, you know? So I definitely heard you bring the world word failure into the conversation. And I, I think that's like a really interesting one for a lot of guys because so many of us are um, goal driven, right? So many of us, uh, I feel like a lot of guys that I talk to, uh, we have a mission in mind, you know, and that could be a mission for a year, could be a lifetime mission, but nonetheless, we thrive when there's something that we're tangibly working towards. Um, and inevitably in life, like, things are going to not work out the way that we plan them to, or, or we're going to have to eventually come to a point where we have to say uh, it's time to pivot and put an end to this and start, start the next thing. Right. And so in this case, how, um, what was your process of dealing with that failure of like, this isn't going to work? Oh man, that was a, uh, I mean, I think if, if, if I'm diving into what the process was like, I think it started with some amount of denial, right? Mm -hmm. First, it's like, you know, just this kind of blind faith. It's like, we will find a way this cannot fail. Like we cannot fail. We're doing so well. Like, you know, we're doing all the things that we should be successful, right? Mm -hmm. Like you, if you, you know, that's how the system is supposed to work. If you're really good at something and you do a really good job, like there's a way to make, but so denial moved into kind of like secretly knowing and mm -hmm. then like just kind of tasting it coming in the back of the throat you know it's like ah this might you know there's the plan is so delicate and we're starting to hang by that last final thread and you can see it stretching out and out and out and there's you know the little window that we had to kind of slip through just kept getting smaller and um yeah and then i think there's a lot of um there's kind of this way of constantly trying to spin the failure into some type of like building block for the next success. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I think, you know, everybody, you know, has read quotes by, I don't know, Winston Churchill or Abraham Lincoln or something. It's like, you know, success is getting up seven times when you fall down six or something like that. Right. And I believe that to be true. And also it's important, I think, not to rush 
rush it, you know, rush to that sense of like, oh, it's, it's okay. It's just like, and I really do firmly believe that because I understand that I'm in this moment right now because of all, all of the things, not just the good things, but all the things, the good things, the bad things that have happened up until this moment, considered good or bad, are all necessary for this moment to exist. Right. Um, and so, you know, I know that looking back, it'll all kind of make sense on some level. And, you know, it's just part of the wholeness that I guess has led to this beautiful life that I'm very, very grateful for ultimately right in this moment. So, um, but I just really wanted to just be with this failure. It was like, I put so much into it that it, it just felt like, yes, like this was not what I wanted. You know, what I wanted was for this to be wildly successful and to provide, you know, financial freedom for myself and all my loved ones for the rest of our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. That was like the plan that was supposed to, that I wanted to happen and that I was doing everything I could to make happen. And that did not occur. Right. We did a great job. We did our best, blah, 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 things out of our control. That All of that's well and true, but, you know, the material facts are this, you know? And so, um, you know, I think it, it, the reason that it, it was important for me to really just be with that is because, you know, while all things make sense in hindsight, like, they still hurt and they're mm -hmm. still painful. You know, I lost my brother a few years ago, and that's another one where you're just like, you know, we could put all the silver linings and spins on this that we want, but ultimately this just fucking sucks. Yeah. You know, this just really sucks. Um, and, you know, once you kind of have to just taste that and just be with that before any of this other stuff can actually get a grip emotionally. Like we could say it, but it won't actually, you know, take root in our hearts unless we've allowed, you know, the pain or the, the sadness or the disappointment to have its time in the sun. Yeah. Level. Yeah, man. I think um, you know, talking about the sting, the suck, the just that that searing pain, whether it's you know, losing a loved one, uh, whether it's a failed plan, um, whether it's you know, a curveball that comes in life that you now have to find a solution for. Um, you know, you know me very well, and uh most of the people that know me well know that I'm not very good at uh connecting to my emotions you know and it's something that i've been working on and um you know thank very grateful for men's work personal development all that stuff you know the tp way of being able to connect to those things more but for so long my story was there there was no there was no point in feeling the emotion right because because how i saw it you know from a more logistical pragmatic reason it's like me feeling my emotion isn't going to get me closer to a solution right so in this case of a failed business it's like me feeling or thinking about the sting isn't going to answer the problem of what am i going to do for money right um however you know especially in what i'm hearing you say it's like it's almost like a necessary right a passage to like feel whatever that that sting that emotion is in order to be able to essentially move on or to move to the next step next level because uh if we don't then you know in some way shape or form we're kind of stuck in that purgatory there even if we think we're being more solution oriented yeah, yeah. so i wouldn't describe you as much of an emotional an emotional guy either however you know in um you know, being right there with you and in, in the loss of your brother and, you know, being here with you in, uh, through this like huge letting go of, uh, the cannabis business, 
Um, would you say both of those have helped you feel into your emotions more in order to move on? Or is it something you feel like uh, something in your past that has helped that more? Yeah. I mean, I think that honestly, the key is really is the experiencing of the emotion in, in that, you know, when you have a huge investment in something, whether it's a relationship or a business or a vision, um, the more you're invested in something, the more like you put yourself into it and mm-hmm. it, you lose that, right? I think on some level, all pain and all sadness comes from the same place of just like losing something you want, right? And the more you want, the more you love something, the more when it's gone, it hurts, right? And so, um, you know, I think that when, if we don't feel the emotion, we kind of, we just like, we're losing that capacity, like that that capacity for feeling, for loving, for connecting, for investing in something is now like kind of off the, off the game board somehow. And so we got to be able to just like keep it moving to like reopen up the the bandwidth, the, the, the space, right. For something new, for, for more love, for more connection, for more uh, fullness somehow. Um, and, you know, these two moments uh, specifically that, you know, we kind of been referring to are definitely, you know, two of the most painful things that I've ever, you know, happened to me. Um, but I think the wisdom that comes from is really like, this is just as much a part of life as the beautiful parts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a, a yin and a yang, there's a dark side and, and a light side. And so, you know, the amount of love you have for something or someone is the amount of pain you'll feel when you lose them, you yeah. know? And all the you know love people have for us and you know for the beautiful things whether it's a tree or the world as we know it or a house or what you know all of that is already like the pain is already just there it's mm-hmm. just you know on the other side waiting for its turn um yeah i feel like essentially both that both of those things the the love and the pain they come from the same well yeah. right so if, you, if you're not willing to uh if you're not willing to take the risk for the pain, right? You're 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 cutting yourself off to the the ecstasy of you know whatever whatever the situation may be. You know whether it be a relationship or it be a, a passion project that you're working on. Like you know that that same passion that drives those things is it's inaccessible if you're not willing to take the risk to do it. Yeah. And uh, risk is definitely a word that kept coming you know, to my mind, hearing you explain kind of the process of the cannabis business. And I would definitely uh, describe you as a risk taker and uh, you know, risky person. And um, in the sense that like, since we've been friends, I, I've witnessed you go all in on a lot of different things, you know, uh, both business wise and, and relationship wise, you know, and uh, where do you think you're, your risk taking comes from um i mean i think you know materially obviously you know i think both my parents were relatively adventurous mm-hmm. um but i think you know i consider them all to be what i what i think of as like smart risks right mm-hmm. I, I explain to my kids like a stupid risk is something where you don't actually gain anything from taking that risk the only thing that can happen is either nothing or something bad right and so you know, I think the I I have made risks, I have taken stupid risks, plenty of stupid risks in my life where the upside really wasn't worth the potential downside. Right. And so I think moving, you know, trying 
as I get older to make sure that those risks, and then you also, I've also learned that like risks are risks. It's not like I don't have this lucky charm where I, I hit more head than tails. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I've definitely taken my fair share of like L's. Um, yeah. And so there's some degree to which, you know, one gets a little bit grizzled, uh, more cautious, prudent, uh, you know, I don't want to say scared, but, you know, you you know, when you've tasted defeat, it's, you know, you want to make sure that you're not walking into it too hastily again, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that is a, a, a element of wisdom. But ultimately, I think that, you know, the amount we're willing to put into something is the amount we're, we're going to get out, you know? And yeah. so when the situations arise, I think being able to say like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this with all my heart, all my soul, all my will, all my money, all my time, you know, and I'm just going to really give it my best. It, it, it unlocks some, some, you know, power, I think of, you know, just the consistency, right. I think doing something takes is hard, right. Like mm-hmm. doing something new, taking a risk, taking it all is hard. And so you have to really get your kind of whole being into alignment whether it's starting a business or getting into a relationship or moving to a new place or learning something new or, you know, taking the risk to actually try to be a master of something, you know, and put in the time it takes to, to learn, you know, to master something. Um, And I also think it's more fun, you know, I think uh, (laughs) life, you know, a life with lots of risk, I think can be tempered with a lot of love and a lot of, you know, connection to people and, mm-hmm. you know, having a plan B and a plan C and a plan D and a plan E, right. It's on some level, you know, just finding it's a way to also test the waters and see what, what what's going to work. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I think of the men that I looked up to um, growing up, and you know, not, th- these could be fictional men as well. You know, in movies and books and stuff. And I think all of them had this element of risk. You know, the badass, the the guy that's like willing to step into a room with uh, twenty guys with guns, and he's just got his one gun, and he's you know he's going to shoot them all up, or you know what you you kind of get the picture I'm painting here. Um, and I think our culture, it, it's something. I think it's something that's glorified for men, you know, in a sense, it's one of the values or ways of being that like culturally we think men should be. And uh, I I think there's a lot of value to it. I think our culture doesn't do a great job talking about the, the loss that happens when, when taking risks as much as uh, as much as the, the glory. Right. So, you know, you just think of like, you know, successful businessmen and, and, you know, they always focus on the story of like how they, from, from nothing, they were able to make this bet or, you know, invest in this thing and, you know, make all this money and hit it big. And they never talk about the 20 other investments that happened beforehand where they lost like an enormous amount of money and were, you know, 200 other people that failed or 2000 that didn't, you know, didn't work out for. Yeah, man. You know, so I think, um, I, I think, you know, you being able to share this, this, uh, you know, risk or really thing you invested yourself in and then coming out, you know, turning out having a, an outcome that you really didn't want, right? You weren't planning for. Um, however, not 
counting yourself down and out and, um, you know, actually taking lessons from it is, uh, you know, I think we need to see more of it. Yeah. You know, just because this was a failure doesn't mean I am a failure. Mm. Right. And mm. I think that, that that's somewhere where I'm really clear about that distinction. And there's, I think, you know, it's important to have kind of a strong ego in that sense and, mm. and be able to separate from my, I, like, I know my, I know I did my best and mm. that's all I ask of myself. You know, I know I did what I could. And again, there are things out of my hand just because I failed doesn't mean that I did anything wrong or that I, there's, you know, yeah. not taking it into taking it personally in a sense. You know? Well, that's a huge distinct distinction just because this was a failure doesn't mean I'm a failure and I'm super guilty of, you know, I, I, I still, uh, in those nights that I can't sleep, I'll think of, you know, different things that have failed, uh, throughout my life that I've tried that, you know, I'll still to this day, even though I know, um, I'm not a failure. I'll still be like, Oh man, see, I'm, I'm not able, I'm not a good businessman. See, I'm, I'm not able to make a lot of money or whatever it may be, you know, and, and really kind of, start to attach myself to the the failed opportunity or the failed thing that happened. So how do you make that distinction and keep the separation between the two? I mean, I was just thinking like, I feel like every time I miss a turn, I'm like cursing myself, you know, I can't, I'm just treating, you know, talking to myself so badly. Um, so I think, I mean, I guess it's practice. I think it's, it's also, I mean, part of a, just a larger vision of, wanting you know like knowing what's what what's really our like what can we do what's our purpose as a being right and it's i think you know to not get too metaphysical it's just to like to be a good person to be loved to actually experience mm -hmm. love and peace and joy and when you do something to your best i think you know the four agreements from don miguel reese is really a very succinct way to think about it and one of the most important ones for me is just always do your best. Just don't worry about it. Don't worry, you know, just do your best, whatever you're doing, do your best. And then that is the ultimate liberation because then you don't have to have this second layer of, am I a failure? Is this something about me? You know, you know that if you, how you approach each moment, because I think the important lesson, one of the important lessons is like, we can't control the outcomes, right? You know, we can do our best, but we actually cannot control the outcomes. And very often the outcomes don't go the way we want, you know? And so controlling the inputs is really the only mm. or our input you know is is really what we have to value ourselves on you know and i think that's not to give everybody a pass or even to give myself a pass right. because there's moments when i don't do my best and that's when i really don't that's when i feel bad you know and that's when i really have to do some soul searching mm. or you know and it, it, it's more painful in a way to look back on something and be like ah i really have asked it this was on me you know yeah it's not on the things that are out of my control so. yeah that that level of um to me that's like the truest meaning of integrity there you know it's like can i look back and say that i did my best or be honest and be like fuck i i have to ask that or i did not do everything i could um and i definitely agree that's way more painful than you know prices bottom prices of cannabis bottoming out because you know at, at, at a certain point there's always going to be things that we cannot control they're just completely out of our control and you know i think in that self-reflection to me that's the distinction between being a being a victim and also just being able to state what's mine and what's not mine right mm -hmm. and and if we can't do that then uh 
then we're kind of always in that victim role of like, oh, well, it's that thing's fault it's or it's their fault or yeah, I couldn't control it, you know, and, and kind of very easily giving ourselves a pass. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, that what you're alluding to, that sense of agency, uh, you know, agency. going back to what you were saying about taking risks, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, you know, after what you said, that that's got to be almost a prerequisite to taking risks is being able to actually have that that sense of okay this is this is how i need to show up right of like before we are worried anything about like the actual circumstances like this is how i'm going to approach things and i have to be able to be honest with myself about like what am i able to prioritize what am i able to do you know and if i am not competent or not capable of actually separating out when you know like what's my responsibility right and when am i just pretending to be a victim like if you're a victim if you're someone who likes the victim narrative you're not equipped to take risks. It's impossible. Mm. You'll never, you'll never win, right? Yeah. Because as soon like the whole idea is to find something to blame, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's only when I guess we we decide that it's on our shoulders and we're going to do our best, and you know, ultimately that's where the buck's going to stop is when you really get to take a risk um, in a powerful way, you know? Yeah, yeah, that. I think that's one thing I've always seen with you ever since, you know, we met each other uh, my freshman year of college. Um, I I really see you as whatever situation you're in, <clears throat> taking on that role of of the buck stops with me, you know, and I think it, there that sense of agency and that sense of um, really like giving it your best. Um, but it's also, you know, I've always viewed it as like as leadership, right? And yeah, I think it's really interesting. You you do that whether it's uh, you know, whether it's a cannabis business, whether it's um searching for land to have community on, or like the dishes being done by the you know, in the kitchen being cleaned by the end of the night. There's there's always this sense of like the buck stops with me. Now, you know, do you think you got that from parents or something that was instilled in you when you were young? Is it um is it a fear of something else? Like what what how's the how do you get there? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's definitely a choice, mm-hmm. right? It's a choice. It's it's actually like a key to a lock. And the, the door that opens is the best life, right? Because mm-hmm. then nothing is outside of my control. But that's the key is to say the buck stops with me. Ultimately, I'm responsible for all of it, the good, the bad, the success, the failure, the things that are completely out of my control, I'm still responsible for how I'm experiencing, how I'm showing up to it. Right. And, you know, as far as um, education, I think, you know, doing the landmark curriculum is a place where I really learned it in a very material way, like where it's kind of fleshed out, like understanding Mm -hmm. that actually the whole thing that like the thing that is my life is the story I'm telling myself about a number of things that have no meaning inherently. Right. Right. That, that is what, is ultimately my life Mm -hmm. and so understanding that that voice of that author is me that is my choice what's the story that i'm telling of meaningless events right and so it's a great power right it's a great power but it's a harder maybe it's a harder life i don't know i think it's easier on some level because you're not constantly but it it just requires a bit of like willpower I, i think that's really for me spirituality Mm-hmm. um that that's where it, it actually that's why it matters that's why i think you know all these different practices whatever people do that i did meditation and 
you know, vision fast and just whatever I could to try to be a stronger spirit, you know, to have a more kind of clear sense of agency and willpower. And um, yeah, and I think, you know, it's definitely obviously something that we all kind of keep, you have to keep recommitting to and keep, mm-hmm. you know, it'll keep, it keeps getting tested, right? Because there's always something that goes wrong that somebody else's fault, you know, <laughs> or something like that, that actually will happen all the time where somebody, it's actually somebody else's fault and they did something completely wrong. And, you know, but then again, it's like, do I show up in this moment with just a genuine desire to get the job done and mm-hmm. to make it better? Okay. Someone else made a mistake. Do I have to you know, criticize them and make sure that they feel bad about what they did? Or can I just show up and actually just do my best and just try to solve the problem if I can? Right. I think um, it's almost, I think, just a, such a simpler way of living. Yeah. It's like, I'm always going to do my best. I'm always going to try to help out as much as I can, wherever I can, however I can, without like overextending myself or, you know, but, but it just kind of simplifies. There's less of a sense of should I, shouldn't I, what you know i uh, like should i help this person and you know, just yes it's always a yes mm-hmm. you know it's just a standing yes yeah and if it's if i don't feel it and for then it's a no and that's fine too i could listen to myself but the, there's no one thinking about it somehow you know absolutely yeah there's a quote we always say that like uh uh a, a truly free man has no choices only commitments mm-hmm. you know and in this case it's uh it's a committing to a way of being yeah. right and it, it brings uh not necessarily it's not necessarily easier but uh even though i agree in the long term it is but it's definitely way more simple right because yeah. it's if i'm fucking committed to being this way then like i know how to navigate the situation or i know what i'm supposed to do next at least i know what that next step is um so you know i think especially for well, a lot the of pain comes from not doing it right yeah. it's like you're yeah. like why am i not doing what i know i need to do like, exactly. it's clear it's very clear exactly we're still all human at the end yeah, of the day exactly. and have our shortcomings and uh yeah have those times we got to sit sit on the edge of our bed and be like i fucked that one up or i i didn't i did i wasn't myself in that moment and now i have to make it right or now double down and uh you know, c- continue to recommit to saying yes, which I love how you brought that up. It's it's a it's a continuous yes. Like every every day, I have to say yes to doing my best, and every every moment and situation, I have to uh, repeat that yes to like I'm I'm going to be in full integrity right now. I'm going to um, give it my all, or I'm going to take ownership of this thing that happened. Right. Um, just like any fucking, it's like marriage, right? Just mm-hmm. like every day you got to wake up, say, yes, I love and committed to, uh, my partner and, and move forward in that, you know? And, uh, those yeses always seem to be easy in the beginning, <laughs> you know, yeah. or maybe the first few times. And then, uh, then the rubber hits the road and, and, you know, you, the universe has a way of testing you in the way that it does. And that yes gets a little bit more difficult. Well, definitely with these two young kids and like this, these last, like so many years, I know for both, both of us has mm-hmm. been so challenging. <laughs> yeah. So many demands, you know, just physically like, up like last to bed first to rise every day cooking cleaning cooking cleaning like dishes like just taking care of the family in in every possible way right when you're really committed to doing your best like there's so many moments to rise to the occasion you know and it's it's draining it's exhausting and Mm -hmm. um and i mean frankly we all just come up short we all come up short either on 
that or on our taking care of ourselves and and you know making sure that we're giving ourselves that same consideration i think that's where um it's it, you know it's almost like you just have to put yourself in the same group of people that you're committed to helping mm-hmm. you know and just at least like give yourself like an equal share of attention and care right instead of just you know zero for me and all for everyone else right i think that's yeah that's a really interesting way i've never heard it put or thought of it that way as like me putting myself in the in the conversation in the group of people that i am looking out for and taking care of you know obviously Mm -hmm. my wife demetra's in there obviously both my kids are in there and you know i will do anything to make sure they're taken care of and they're good and it's like yeah what if i put myself in there like that 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 Mm -hmm. same way um yeah that that would be that would be a huge shift for me because i definitely give myself the short end of the stick um quite frequently and you know at least the story that i tell in those moments is like it's so that i can give the people that i love more love right or so i can better serve and take care of them but you know it's it's like you hear the if we don't if we don't fill our cups up first we can't fill others yeah i think there's always some subtle sense of injustice to it all that just you know irks you know irks one and this or like when you just feel like you're giving and giving and giving even if you know you know that it, it's need you know it's needed there's some sense of like why me yeah yeah you know like who's gonna take care of me like when am i gonna get some love over here yeah man um, yeah wise guy once told me uh <laughs> the cavalry's not coming yeah right. you know there 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 is there is no one that's gonna come save me and uh it's like essentially we got to be the ones that do yeah. that and i think especially as fathers, it's, uh, I've had so much guilt around taking time for myself, um, and taking care, yeah, taking care of myself, even for simple things, you know, but like so much guilt of asking for time for myself, because I feel like, I don't know if if it's like a worthiness thing or feel like I don't deserve it. It's more just like feeling like my kids need it more right yeah i don't know sometimes i feel it's like a laziness thing for me mm-hmm. you know where it's almost like you know i would have to just like take a stand for myself you know what i mean yeah and and like actually you know shift some things around and like push back a little on certain things and like take up that space a little bit you know mm-hmm. in a way that is m- maybe more uncomfortable for me sometimes you know yeah um so it's, it's almost like it's easier to just be like you know what forget it i'm just gonna like do it all like i'll just do it all forget it you know don't even worry i'm not even gonna ask for help like i'll just do it you know and so there's like a certain degree of like i gotta like humble myself enough to say like yo i need some help yeah you know and ask it from people that i'm in the in the habit of helping Mm -hmm. you know and then you know just feeling that sense of like flipping the script is, is sometimes a little like it's weird i don't know Oh yeah, it's hard. Like it takes. There's like a whole process. It's like it's not even that easy to do somehow, <laughs> dude. No joke. True story. Uh, last night, I was uh, I was at a men's team meeting over in uh, Kings Beach, and um, end of the meeting, you know, great meeting. Go back. Go to my car to get in the car and drive home. Lock my fucking keys in the car. All right. Like God damn it, you know, you know that feeling. It's it's a shitty feeling. I'm like fuck. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like out there trying to fucking Jimmy rig it open with a wire hanger. Couldn't do it. And then you know, at a certain point, I was like, I had to tell my buddy 
but can you just drive me home? You know, it's about 15 minutes away. And I was doing everything possible to avoid asking Demetra, my wife, to help me out, you know, like, and even up to this morning, it was like, you know, I'm like calling on her AAA card. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to ask her for a ride over there. But it was almost a sense of like, not even that just like I didn't want to bother her with it, but it was almost a, a sense of like me feeling feeling weak or feeling like going back to failure because it's like, because I made a very human and normal like shit happens, like mistake of locking my keys in my car. Now I have to, you know, ask my wife for help to like save and bail me out, you know? And it, it was just like, I, I've reflected on it a lot today, just cause it's like one of those things that kind of stays, stays with you throughout the day, no matter what I'm doing. And I'm like, wow, why did I have such a hard time just being like, babe, I, I need your help right now. I've, I'm in a situation. I, I made a mistake and I just, I just need your help. Uh, yeah, yeah I mean, man. It, it's so it's it's so clear when you just say it like that, right? Yeah, and you know, and then in the moment, there's like, what, what, I, I'm trying to understand like what it is that arises. Is it like a sense of shame? Is it a sense of is it just like unfamiliar? You mm -hmm. know, is it a? It's weird, you know, because you know, materially, like if it was a friend of yours, right? Maybe it would be a lot easier. Something about yeah. the wife, like you know, you're just so used to just being the one that solves everyone's problems somehow. Mm -hmm. Like if she had done the same, you'd be like, yeah, all right, listen, just get in the car, I'm gonna drive you over there. Like we'll take yeah. care of this. Like don't worry about it. It's fine. Like you know, yeah, yeah. I think it's a you know, it actually just became very clear for me. There's definitely a sense of shame there. And there's also a sense like I feel like I'm giving crazy, feel like I'm giving her ammunition to <laughs> then be like, I'm a fuck up, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like that time you fucking locked your keys in, in the car like an idiot. And then we had to wake up early in the morning, go get it like which she wouldn't do that. She she like she yeah, she brings up things from the past at times, but like she 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 would never do something so vicious so like that you know but yeah. that's like that's the fear is like oh wow am i giving her ammunition or reason to believe that i am not a uh reliable and uh suitable partner you know or are you giving it's almost like are you i feel sometimes like i don't even want to let him even the score yeah you know what i'm saying like i want it to be so stacked of like all the sacrifice that i made to just like help out it's almost like the sense of like that it should be balanced is mm -hmm. like bizarre you know? yeah yeah. But I think, you know, I think uh, vulnerability is something that gets tossed around a lot in men's work in men's spaces. And a lot of times we talk about it in um, sharing our emotions or right. what's really going on, which is definitely a flavor of vulnerability. But another one is like definitely asking for help. And another one is like allowing people to be of service to us. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I think for majority of men that's that's a very difficult thing to do yeah very difficult thing to do but also something that as we learn to uh get better and better at um i truly believe it's only going to result in more success for ourselves you know i think think of the most successful people at least uh financially in the world they got a shit ton of help you know they're they're yeah. constantly asking people for things and to do this do that help me with this help me with that you know so i, I think it's definitely a um it's definitely all of us have space to uh, use that tool a bit more. Yeah. Um, you brought up your brother earlier. 
and uh would love to talk about that in some way shape or form if if you feel comfortable yeah of course yeah man you know i think uh all in all it's like losing uh losing anyone that's close to us you know but a younger brother is I, I can't imagine, you know, I've lost, I've lost uh, an uncle at a young age and um, some other pretty close, to, close loved ones. But, um, you know, there's definitely a sense of sense of uh, hurt that comes from that. That's just like, you know, words can't even, words can't even yeah. describe, you know, so it's been about, was it been two years yeah, that's right? coming up in May, two years in May. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, obviously that was a very, very difficult time for you and your family, for our entire friend group. Um, you know how uh, you know coming on two years out now. Like, how are you? How are you feeling about about all of it? How how are you navigating that? Just like process of grief. Yeah, well, it's definitely been a big. Um... It's, it's been a tremendous evolution of the grief um, since, you know, obviously day zero, where it was just, just like mm-hmm. hearing, like just screaming pain, you know. I never, like, I never felt emotional pain like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's hard to, like, I would take physical pain anytime over that, you know. Yeah it was it was so intense and it just like there was no like escaping it right and um and i guess i mean on some level it's been kind of like a slow tapering down from there over the last like two years um you know there was a big uh the first year was really was really hard Mm -hmm. you know in a way where you're almost like in days you Mm -hmm. know it just felt like a daze and you know i for me it was also the first time that i really lost anyone you know yeah. i lost some uncle and an uncle but i didn't grow up close to them so i love them and they were my relatives but there wasn't that like actually like there's someone that was in your life all the time that mm-hmm. you were seeing all the time and now that person is not there which right. my brother was living with us it was like we were very close and you know sylvie was like you know he was like my a son to me almost you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying you know we the three of us we lived together yeah. for years and he lived on my couch on and off for almost a decade you know for most of his adult life honestly yeah. you know and all that time just really trying to steer him towards just help to to steer him towards a, a path you know that i that i really felt he he embarked on and then you know this kind of bitter twist of fate he kind of just gets like poisoned yeah you know and gets given fentanyl instead of oxycontin that he had you know found as as a way to manage his experience of life you know Mm -hmm. and that's i think a little aside that's worth guy i mean like so he you know materially he died because he had a we could call it an addiction he was using opiates to manage his anxiety Mm -hmm. i think is what it was and he was Mm self-medicating you know and my presently i believe that there was you know most of the negative side effects and stuff that he dealt with and most addicts deal with has a lot to do with just like the 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 social you know judgment that's about Mm -hmm. it and much less the actual like material chemical Mm -hmm. you know and so 
if he had been able to just get the the things that helped him, right? Whether it was Oxycontin or some type of opiate or something, instead of having to just be in the streets, like buying whatever fake pill, you know, yeah. that's ultimately why he died. Like that is the actual difference between him being alive and him being dead. Right. You know, yes, he had, you know, he was obviously the reason he even was open to that happening was because he was using opiates. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't feel like he's free of responsibility in a way, but, you know, I think it is worth pointing out that he wasn't trying to kill himself. Like right. he wasn't even in a place where he was maybe like in the depths of d- depression that maybe he had been in other moments in life. I felt like he actually got to that point where he was like starting to walk that, that path of, you know, light, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so it was kind of just this like bitter pill of like, then that's the moment yeah. that, you know, this kind of thing goes. Um, but, you know, there's there's obviously some sense of like, ah, this is another one. I really wish just like that hadn't happened, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like it's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. Hard to see a silver lining in it. Um and yeah, that's one where I, I don't really I, I really can't see too much like a silver lining in it. I will share one beautiful moment, which you know, just um we as you know, we put his ashes in a beach in Santa Cruz, Four Mile Beach and just uh, two weeks ago, my dad and I went over there to surf, and you know we had our moment in, just before we went in the water of like, oh, and so when we put his ashes in the water, I should note for the listeners yeah. here, you know, this like small family of dolphins basically came right to where we had deposited the ashes mm-hmm. and just circled by, circled around there, and then swam away. And Sylvia was a surfer, and you know, deeply loved the ocean, and was very much would you know want to come back as a dolphin you know if you had a choice and so as my dad and i you know a few weeks ago just went in the water there just instantly as soon as we got in this water this dolphin just like swims right up to us you know as soon as we got in and then just like swims away and so you know there's moments like that where you just get touched by the magnitude of the cosmos and the just the beauty of the whole arc of it you know Mm -hmm. and you know we're just in this like tiny little speck of time where it's like but you know that you can see for moments just like huge wheel turning and um you know so if there's a silver lining to it it's just like the scope of like my my perspective on reality is like vastly expanded you know i guess i had had a very soft experience of pain you know in terms of like how you know and then you think of people in circumstances where it's like oh like whether it's people losing their whole families in COVID or people in crazy like war zones you know there's just infinite like real stories of like pain and loss and you're like oh man that's like just as much like the real world as much as like you know spirituality and ceremonies and burning man and like beautiful loving community and friendships and the amazing love that we shared as a family and with Silvio. I mean, he was part of this beautiful tribe. And I I think we, we all share just such a genuine love for one another. And so that had been my experience of life. And so then suddenly just kind of really just getting a taste of the other side. And, you know, I think um, there's more perspective and wisdom that comes from that, you know, ultimately. Um but I guess, yeah, just going back to, the, you know, the the evolution of the grief. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, at the end of the first year, there was kind of like this the spike of 
you know, wow, like, and I'm sure, you know, every time the, his, he died the day before my birthday, as you know, which, so there's kind of, and then his birthday was the week after. So there's just this like period of time towards the end of May that is like, oh, man, it's a lot going on, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to really try to confront this one this year with more, uh, I don't know, more of a, just engaged and open, maybe more vulnerable approach than like last year. It was just like, uh, I just didn't want to think about it at all you know it's like yeah. dreading it yeah just dreading my birthday coming this coming just the whole thing like just couldn't this just pass like just be over yep. yeah like can we just like cut forward a month you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. change the date can we push the, the the month forward one um but anyway i mean i think from everyone i've talked to it's like it never goes away yeah. <laughs> you know like it's just one of those things it's just with you you know mm-hmm um it's the love it's you know it's just a product of the, the love that we share you know um but yeah now it's just moments man it's just like there's like little moments of like ah it's a bummer it's too mm-hmm. bad you know i think of my daughter and she she was one a year old you know and it was what, five when he died so it's like ah they just got the tiniest glimpse of him and he he of them and you know like you, you could just imagine all these moments yeah. that would have elapsed since then um and it's you know it's just sad you know Absolutely. it's one of those it's like failures like just it's sad it sucks you know yeah it, it just um yeah it comes its moments and and it all i mean i definitely feel more alive you know in the in relation to that like you know like now that we're talking like you know i could just taste it and i can feel it close and mm-hmm. it, it, i feel more alive i feel more you know like i'm more deeply connected to the cosmos and the universe and the reality you know that underlies this existence somehow you know absolutely well i mean you know you said uh before it's like still haven't found the silver lining to it and i think you know that's that's one way that uh we get through difficult times is like looking for the silver lining and i think it, it you know going back to what we were saying in the beginning it's like sometimes there's there's not a silver lining and and you got to feel the sting right you got to feel just the 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 bottom of that well you know and there's really nothing else to do but that and i think you know what what i think about with all of it is is um as men especially you know dads and husbands um really just try to keep it together all the time Mm -hmm. you know really just try to be try to be the the lighthouse the anchor the rock right the the one that's the the stable point and consistent point and um you know then you're thrown a life event like this where it's like it's not fucking possible to be the yeah. to be the the lighthouse, you know. Um, how was that for you? You know, having having your two young children and your wife. Uh, it was it was very beautiful in a way, in the sense of like my my family, but you know, my larger community, like just really feeling like the you know I was held, like I didn't feel alone. I felt like there was people there, you know, and, mm-hmm. and that really. Uh, it, it was some consolation, you know, like just being, having people that I love nearby, you know, holding space somehow, like it made a difference, mm-hmm. you know? And so 
it was a great, you know, validation of everything I believe about how to live and how to be in the world and why, you know. And so it was a moment where it, it, you could see why, why yeah. it's important, like why community is important, why family is important, why being there for each other and building, taking, investing in making those bonds with one another and having experiences together, right? I mean, I don't, I didn't invest my 20s in like my career or mm -hmm. building a, you know, a path towards wealth. I really invested it in building a community and being part of a tribe and having relationships that will be there for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it was a moment of, and I and I could say with you know all, I don't know if humility or just like honesty that I really did my best to like really make close friendships and you know love the people that I love and let them know and you know be there and hang out and spend time and do stuff and really just enjoy life with loved ones. And so it was kind of a return on that investment, that moment of just like seeing. That people really cared, you know, about Silvio, about us, about the whole family, you know. That was um it was a beautiful thing. It was a deeply, profoundly, incredibly beautiful moment, you know, very bittersweet because of the circumstances that brought it about. But right. the coming together was something that I had could only ever have dreamed of, you know, and just seeing the power of that. Um, you know, and yeah, it was um humbling you know mm -hmm. very humbling beautiful experience you know yeah i um the way you allowed yourself to be held and uh as difficult as it was to um not only feel the sense of loss and grief that i had but to to witness you know my dear brother being in you know just the most broken i've ever seen you but your your ability to allow yourself to be held is like still to this day one of the things that I respect and admire about you the most. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's I it's how how more how much more vulnerable can you get? You know, than yeah. than to like allow yourself to be held held up by uh, the people that love and care about you the most. You know, in in the most difficult time of your life. Um. I'll never, uh, you know, the I'll never forget. And it's probably, again, one of the things that I am most grateful for in my life to have witnessed was when you came out to uh, Rainbow Rock Canyon and you got to receive Silvio when he came back from his fast, you know, and uh, just to get to witness uh, an older brother um, who had been out to fast in that same same area to um, to come come back for your younger bro and to receive him crossing uh what were some of the feelings that came up when you got to when you got to see him come back from his fast i mean mostly honestly it was an incredible pride yeah. and I, was, I was so proud and just happy for him you know mm -hmm. because he i really felt like he was finally living the life that he wanted to live mm -hmm. his 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 whole you know early adulthood he was trying to find himself and trying to find that way to give his gift and, and be the contribution that he was uh, and just feel kind of whole in that. And, you know, 
And I felt in that moment that he he had seen that he had seen himself as he truly was. And, you know, I cherish that. I cherish that memory and I cherish that moment. Um, obviously, you know, as one of the finest moments I have of him. And it was very close to, you know, his death. So very much kind of like that, you know, archetypal kind of final moments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then also hopefully a foreshadowing of things to come in the sense of, you know, I think of all these like initiation work, men's work, ceremony work, the element that I feel like is, I don't know if it's missing because well, it wouldn't be for me to make an assessment like that, but that is very important. I don't know how much, you know, pr- prominence it gets is that of family mm-hmm. and of really like there's like a web of connections you know i think we live in a culture where it's like you sign up for a program you travel to the yeah. city where that program is being held you do the program you meet amazing cool people while you're there maybe you keep kind of keep in touch with them on facebook or something in some circumstances maybe more profound friendships are made but in general you know that those people go back to their lives mm-hmm. right and so all of this work of self-improvement compounds when you're surrounded by people that are also engaged in it and that those connections multiply. And so, um, you know, that was one moment where us as brothers were able to share that also that other bond of like also being both initiated in this tradition Mm -hmm. and both having had that experience and, you know, so I, I think that that's something that you and I shared and Jetty and, you know, like, I, I I think in a perfect world, that's very much like deeply integrated into it. Like people go through this men's work or go through this evolutionary process with their cohort, so to speak, mm-hmm. with their like brothers and sisters yeah. that they come up with, that they grow up with, that they feel that connection with. And that energy helps to strengthen that process of evolution, of spiritual, personal growth, right? And I think... Mm-hmm. You know, for all our naivete, that was one of our great blessings is that we had each other, you know, and we were all committed to this path of growth, right, Mm -hmm. of evolution. And so just with those simple ingredients, we were able to actually come a very long way, I think, in all honesty. You know, we had obviously a lot of help and guidance and good experiences. and But, you know, I think just the will to to move forward and then the the camaraderie to have others to walk that path with Mm -hmm. made it um, a very achievable reality somehow um yeah i think the um sometimes we got to be you know reminded like what's the purpose of personal development what's the purpose of um personal growth and and knowledge of self and all those things and i think um there it can become very selfish in a way like in the sense of like i want to be the best person i can be which there's nothing wrong with that but like if that's the sole purpose it's it's pretty finite as far as as far as where it's going or or at least the impact that it's going to have right so either be the best person i could be or to make more money or to um be more well known impact more influence more people um and you know i think the the at least for me the bare bones of it it's like the the only reason for me to be a better version of myself is to better impact the people who are impacting my life right the the people who i'm closest with my community my family you know and and uh essentially that's like 
that's where it all starts from, you know, and I think it's very easy to lose our way or lose, lose sight of the purpose of um, getting to know ourselves, our inner workings better and, and really becoming the best, best version of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, just connecting, you know, so much more deeply with other, right. It's like, Mm -hmm. if, if the goal is like meaningful connection, right with our loved ones then you know when you share experiences like this you know and you share this vocabulary and this kind of it, it it just there's so much more available yeah. somehow you yeah know? absolutely well recently you got to receive your dad your dad went out to fast yeah. same area rainbow rock canyon out in death valley um and then you went back for him what was that like well, um, you know, in many regards, similar, you know, sense of, you know, the the like the connections deepen and mm-hmm. and the relationship deepens and um a moment of, you know, I, I obviously have walked in his footsteps for a very long time and you know, I feel very much that I'm standing on his shoulders and that all the blessings and good life that i have is a lot due to him and my mother and my stepmom and just them you know really doing their best to like get us as far as they could mm-hmm. you know and cleaning up a lot of uh kind of weird mental patterns that i think a lot of people in our culture still carry you know as far as like how they relate to themselves their emotions their spouses like you know there's a lot of not so functional patterns in our culture that are being passed on constantly, you know, and that, so in all these family lines, someone starts to have to break those, you know, bad habits and create space for people to create. And so I feel that my parents did a lot of that, you Mm -hmm. know, and they really started to create a strong foundation that myself, my sibling, my brother and sister, we could all, you know, really build on. And so after having walked, um so far in my dad's footsteps to just have that moment where you know he was walking in my footsteps and also in my brother's footsteps you know mm-hmm. very much um was it was a yeah it was a special moment i don't want to say it was like a passing of the baton you know but i think maybe that that is true not necessarily just because of that you know that one experience but i think there's um you know in the last half decade you know my father has shared with me just uh you know, a sense of like, all right, like you, you got it now, you know, you're, you're up, you're up to bat here. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just beautiful, beautiful moments, you know, like what a, what a just a treasure. I feel just so amazingly blessed to have been able to just bear witness to that, you know, mm-hmm. to bear witness to all those guys, obviously, you know, yeah, it's, it's always a special moment. And then, um, you know, I, I really, I pray that, everybody could experience that just sense of the whole, all the alignment of all the factors, family, spirituality, you know, all the different things we do are all aligned and they're all kind of like on the same path together, you mm-hmm. know, versus what I think a lot of people have this is a reality where it's like maybe family life is completely different, you know, whether even in the nuclear family, you know, with your spouse, but you know, with parents, with siblings, with cousins, with relatives, with the people who grew up with, like, and then, you know, you depart on this path of growth and evolution and, you know, you feel like you're walking it alone, right? And yeah, again, that's, I think, the, the because our culture has, like, lost so many of the fundamentals, have we have 
lost touch with like the essential human skills and like like training manual for like just how to be a peaceful happy person right? yeah. like there's some very simple things that if we just do like the likelihood of being happy are so it's so much higher like if you just have a family that you love and you take care of each other and you like just genuinely mostly share love together and like uplift each other versus anger and spite and you know whatever yeah. else um and uh you know and you're just investing in that right i mean so just to say uh, you know i really hope that it, it, it's the foreshadowing of, of things to come and, and that our culture is able to you know integrate a lot more of this wisdom somehow absolutely back absolutely yeah i think there's um in general with uh other men there's a bond is able to go so much deeper when there's a shared experience mm -hmm. right uh, especially an experience of uh uh an ordeal right mm -hmm. of difficulty mm -hmm. uh which is absolutely what um what a fast is what a nature fast is and then you know so there's obviously that element of like if you do it together like you and i did we we, we were out there at the same time mm -hmm. um and you know the connection we're able to have with other men that have done the same experience even if it's a different time because it's like you know if you as you said before there's a shared language there um and then you know i, I think it's like the tying together of all, all these different domains like you're talking about where you're able to share this language and experience with your dad you know and, and your brother for the time that you were able to you know it, it's um it's it's a little bit sweeter you know it's a little bit sweeter because it's just so many domains in life which are you know uh family spirituality personal development um personal growth and work and all these other things they start to all come together and st stop being such segmented different things and you kind of get this this union of all of them which i i mean for me that's the goal you know yeah, that, I, that is what should be the goal Har yeah harmonious alignment of all yeah facets right? yeah harmony yeah. harmony i mean i think that's what we're all seeking you know whether we know it or not whether we're doing it intentionally or not um and uh no doubt about it when things aren't in harmony we definitely feel that shit. yeah we definitely feel it um well that i like the word harmony you know and as we come towards an end here um as far as what's next after um you know these things that have happened in your life um i know uh harmony and building and all those things are are on the on the horizon for you so just talk a little bit about um i'm forgetting i'm forgetting the name of the book now oh, oh yeah yeah Christopher Alexander. yeah yeah um yeah just talk, just about how how that's really impacted you and just like where you see uh moving forward you know the vision moving forward yeah so you know again for our listeners at home um <laughs> Christopher Alexander was a architect, mathematician, philosopher, and I believe, you know, genius. Um, and he wrote a number of books, uh, basically outlining the relationship of the human being uh, with the natural and built environment around him, I think is essentially what it's about and understanding uh, how we interact on a profound kind of emotional level with our environment and how much of an impact and how that impact works of our environment on us and on society and, you know, the interweave. And so for me, it's really, a, you know, the, a very pragmatic kind of like how spirituality, where the rubber hits the road, right? Because 
actually creating an alignment of our the space around us is on some level a prerequisite for certain states of being and awareness, mm-hmm. right? And so it's impossible to separate that. So, and I mean, I think to to kind of come back to the word harmony, I think um, this is one of those words that can be used rather flippantly. Totally. And, um, you know, I, I really try to think about like, okay, what would it, what is a harmonious life actually like, right? And I think a lot of it is what we were kind of alluding to in our previous, you know, segment here about um, alignment of the different factors, right? That it's like the work, the play, the family, the love, like, you know, we, we operate on all these levels, like we're individuals who are on this individual path, but we're also some of most of us, many of us choose to be in a relationship. And mm-hmm. you are that couple or whatever mm-hmm. unit you choose to make, then you are your family, your children, your, you know, and so we are part of our identity is all of these different units. And if all of those units are aligned and interact well with one another materially, then we have harmony, right? right. And so <clears throat> wanting this to take this opportunity of this kind of reshuffling of the deck, which is how I kind of see what's happening right now with everything kind of melting down um, that I was really invested in before. Now it's a chance to like, okay, can I create a new alignment of the work-life balance, so to speak, where things are more in alignment? And so I've been very much inspired by the work of Alexander, and I've studied it, you know, at some length over the last, I guess it's been almost a decade now that I've been studying, which is kind of remarkable in its own right. And so I do feel like I have a a degree of um, understanding and so now the opportunity arises to maybe actually gain a degree of experience and competence and really um, dive into that. And I think that that presents certain possibilities for a more harmonious um, life in that I think that my work would be doing something that I feel very much aligned with if I were doing something in that in regards. Now, um, ultimately, the goal is the harmony more than the actual like this or that, right? Right. And so there's other factors that I think right now in terms of um, especially my kids, you know, especially, you know, the age they're at right now, about three and sevens rounding up a little, Um, you know, these are just, you know, these next 10 years, call it 15 years. It's like, this is like the real parenting chapter in life, like the child rearing. And so wanting to also make sure that I'm prioritizing that Mm. um, and prioritizing just putting in time on that and not not you know not just prioritizing what's my like career goals so to speak or vocational goals or um, but also you know what are the my commitments as a father what are my goals as a, as a parent and to like how how I want to educate my kids and what do I want to impart on them during this period of life when they are mine to impart on somehow <laughs> you know because I can't do it later right no. once they're grown it's not a good time to like focus on child rearing right so um, you know, so maybe that pushes in slightly different directions. I don't know. Um, the big the big thing for me is to really just try to maintain, come back to a, a more peaceful state of being. You know, I think with all of the stress for many years, I feel like looking back, I'm like, sheesh, since pretty much I feel like since Ellie was born, since we moved to California, it's been like a very chaotic sense of like, Uh, it's almost coming together but not quite and it's always like a little bit stressful and some might falling apart and so wanting to really live 
without that sense of chaos kind of hanging overhead, a little bit of stability, um, you know, spending time with my loved ones, my wife, like doing just like simple fun stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, th- I think um, what I hear in that is uh, in this next chapter, you're more focused on your way of being, how you are being, as opposed to what it is you're doing. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, uh, I know for myself, that's a powerful reminder, something I need to be re- reminded of frequently. So I appreciate that. I got one last question for you, and then we'll wrap this up here. So your two kids, Aaliyah and Elio. We'll say 20, 25 years from now, they're out of the house. They're their own adults and uh, they're out to lunch with someone and they uh, they get asked the question, what what was your father like? What's your dad like? How uh, how do you want your kids to describe you 20, 25 years from now? The man that you are. Coolest guy in the world. <laughs> No, I mean, I think, you know, the legacy that I want to live is the life I want to live now, which is one of just like love and, you know, removing of unnecessary obstructions, you know, and obstacles to having a really beautiful life. I think, uh, like, you know, I could talk about like on a meta level or just like materially, I just want to, that that was, that I'm a loving person that like I genuinely connect with love and you know fun and you know uplifting positive spirits you know and also treating them with respect and you know kind of expecting a lot of them as well and mm-hmm. um and i think i'm digressing a little bit from the the question itself but you know i hope that i'll be remembered as also someone or i don't know remember now yeah, you still be alive <laughs> Um, but someone who walks the walk you know what i mean which is i think the real where the rubber was the fun part you know like okay like we have access to so much wisdom it's really true like you could find all the the wisdom you need to live a good life in any spiritual tradition for with some digging and we have all of them Mm -hmm. and we have all this incredible like just new technology too that unlocks and then we have these incredible like medicines and different psychedelics that also unlock like there's so many tools to to really have such a good life mm-hmm. you know and so you gotta have we gotta have a good life you know what i mean like there's what's the excuse for not you mm-hmm. know the wisdom is there the knowledge is there the will is there and so you know someone who walked who walked the walk about you know like took that all of that metaphysical stuff and just brought it down into a pragmatic and happy and peaceful life, you know, in the world as it is, you know. I love it. I love that, man. Well, I think uh all the actions you're taking, all the decisions you're making, and just the way that you're showing up, you're definitely on the path of leaving that sort of legacy, man. So keep doing what you're doing. Emmy, I love you very much, man. Thanks for making time for this conversation. Until next time. And there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I really think Emmy brings in uh, some really 
just great ways to view life. And I think, you know, just the difficulties that this man has been through in the last two years and how he's been able to overcome, keep his head on straight and just be an amazing father and husband, despite all the things that are giving him excuses to not be that. Hopefully there's something that you're taking away from this conversation that's going to help make your life better as well. Once again, if you love the Rising Man podcast, if you love fam life, be sure to leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and be sure to check out therisingman.org for all of the offerings that we got. Find something that's going to help you out. Until next time, stay up. Yeah.